Dimitri Vekerson like might play Saudi Arabia. This was history in the making. Stay tuned. We might be freaks, but we know our mother phone can beats and beats and beats and beats and beats. This is Johnny Walker, your host for the Freak PTDM podcast, and I'm coming back with another episode, number 144, to discuss and spread the good news. Dance music is slowly reaching every corner of this world. Times are sure changing. Change is the only definite variable we will all face during our lifetime. And this can happen in places you never thought they were likely to experience change within our lifetimes. At the end of the 80s, change happened in Eastern Europe. Change that was inconceivable a few years ago. The Berlin Wall collapsed, the Cold War ended, and house and techno were there to provide the soundtrack for the reunited celebrating Berliners and Germans at large. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia has long been accused by the Western media for its ultra-conservative nature. We also all heard of the recent socio-economic changes happening at a rapid pace, spearheaded by the Prince of the Kingdom. It is no surprise, therefore, that music will play a pivotal role in providing the soundtrack to these changes. In our case, we care about electronic dance music in particular. When we therefore got an invitation to attend such a local event, we could not say no. For those who have not listened to episode 139, we published in the beginning of December 2019, How Dare You? We were, there, we were the first to discuss the inaugural, to our knowledge, electronic dance music festival for the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia that took place in the capital of the Kingdom, Riyadh, called Middle Beast. This was a three days festival in a 60,000s capacity venue, which featured, among others, Marco Carola, Black Coffee, Rehab, Tiesto, Martin Garrix, Camelfat, Fisher, Steve Aoki, David Guetta, Afrojack, Salvatore Ganacci, and Sebastian Ingrosso. All the big guns of dance music were there, but guess who was missing? The number one DJs of 2019, as per DJ vote, This was therefore the first time the Belgian brothers would smash the house in Saudi Arabia. I will only cover the details pertaining to the event itself. The music event was part of Gold Saudi, a European tour event in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia that returned to the Royal Greens Golf and Country Club at the King Abdullah Economic City on January 30th, 2020. That is two days ago. Later on in the year, a historic event, namely the ladies' European tour schedule, will also headline players from the women's game compete for the first time in the kingdom. As I said earlier, changes are rapid and most welcome from Western media, and communities have embraced and endorsed them. To get back to the live show, I got there slightly late with my local Saudi crew. The King Abdullah Economic City, where the gig was about to happen, is about an hour's drive north of Jeddah, the second biggest city in the kingdom that's situated at the Red Sea Banks. The weather was pleasant and perfect for an open-air live event. When we got there, I was up for a surprise. 
Ticket holders were dressed down and they did not look different than the crowd attending the annual Tomorrowland event in Belgium for a better or worse comparison. The entrance was mixed. Yes, that means no separate areas for men or women. I did not see any women attending singly in all fairness. All women appeared to be accompanied by men. Peculiarly, this was also a 12 years plus event, meaning that minors were allowed, something that sounds strange for an 18 plus standard western event of similar nature. Perhaps the fact that the live show was part of the golf event allowed for such attendance. Females were in their majority not dressed in abaya or wearing a hiccup, such as it is customary to do. Yes, there were a couple of women dressed as such, but nothing was mentioned in the dress code in terms and conditions, apart from observing a decent dress style. And no, alcohol was not served, in case you're asking. Getting past the main entrance was, for use of a better word, unorganized, with ticket holders pushing and shoving their way through. I also noted the security guards being rude to attendees, a behaviour that is unnecessary to people who are there to enjoy the music. That is something that needs improving and looking into. It could easily be solved by the entrance crew having more experience in allowing a steady rate of ticket holders through rather than holding up the crowds for a prolonged amount of time. That definitely ticked off some people there and could easily be avoided. Security was polite, with the focus being on scanning for metal objects. Once we got in, attendees were more relaxed and happier. The audience was mostly male in their early 20s or late teens. I would say they were about 85-90% to male. There were very few Westerners as well. I even saw a guy with an EDC Orlando t-shirt. Well, that made my day, as you can figure out. Having bought a can of Red Bull, they're really expensive here for whatever reason. We made our way through a narrow corridor that acted both as an entry and exit point to the main area for GA ticket holders. This was another example of where experience with event organization will come handy, especially if events at a bigger scale are planned for the future. We could already hear Marco Carola playing his tech house beats since he was the warm-up DJ for the Belgian duo. People were dancing, clapping on the way in, and the atmosphere was certainly a happy one. There was not a hit of intimidation, fear of repercussions, or holding back. Once inside, the stages were divided in VIP, grandstand, or upper tier, which had designated seats, a golden circle, which was the area just in front of the stage, and general admission, which was a free-for-all dance floor. As I mentioned, the sexes were mixed and everyone, everyone seemed to be happy to be there and soaking in every moment of Carola's set, despite that being a warm-up. The stage was perhaps basic for a 2020 event, more geared up for a rock concert than an EDM live show, but once Dimitri Vegas and Like Mike started the set, all their ice show features came out in full force. The smoke cannons, flamethrowers, LED screens and lasers were there reminding us that this is an EDM live DJ set after all but perhaps not in a grand scale like in a US or a Central European gig. After all, I do not think that the stage was purpose-built. The crowd was very respectful at Marco's two-hour set, cheering at the end compared to Western crowds who occasionally are very happy to see the backside of the warming act in favour of the main act. That was definitely a positive thing I noted. Dimitri Vegas and Like Mike came up after the routine mic testing at around 
Smoke came out of the stage cannons and the crowd was cheering and jumping as anywhere else in the world. It seems that Saudi Arabia would welcome more EDM gigs. The event held at a venue holding probably just over 2,000 people. Once again, it seemed that most people were familiar with the routines and shenanigans of the Belgian duo. So we had the right versus left jump crowd competition, the seat down and crowd controls, eight steps to the left, 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 and eight steps to the right, 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 you know the score, routine, and of course the hey-ho chanting. They played all the well-known hits, and again I noted some of the lyrics were edited to be more appropriate for the local crowd. For example, on Instagram it was, I don't give a pause about your Instagram. Well, you get the, dr the drift. I noted two differences from the traditional Dimitri Vegas and like my gigs. Mike was not swearing, there was no effing, although he could not hold back at least once. I caught him red-handed. Also, for those who follow the Belgian duo closely, they would be familiar with uh, them at the end of the one-hour set, when the duo plays the signature mammoth track with which they always close and usually they lift the flag of the respective country they play at. On this occasion, they did not. I wonder whether this is because the flag bears a religious statement akin to the Islamic faith. There has definitely been discussions between the management and the local organizers. I was disappointed that the set was only 60 minutes long, to tell you the truth. They played an encore after the crowd's demand, namely their take on Aha's take on me. What is it with all those 80s reprisals lately? And then, poof, they were gone. To wrap this podcast up, it was all in all a very positive experience. There were no fights, no signs of medical emergencies to my knowledge, and everyone seemed to have fun and enjoy the moment. The crowd appeared thirsty for further events and hopefully there will be further similar events in the future. Their enthusiasm reminded me of the happy innocent days of 89 in the UK, minus the drugs of course. Everyone felt they were attending something unique and they were not there just to take selfies and pose or get out of their heads. At the moment there is no club scene as such, but there are local DJs. Some lounge bars have slowly appeared, so who knows what happens in the future. All I care about is that the electronic dance music becomes a carrier of positive culture and that it spreads to every part of the world, inclusive of the until recently reclusive Middle East. We know that Ultra Music Festival is having a UAE edition on 6th and 7th of March. After all, in the words of Chuck Roberts, this is our house and our house music. Thank you very much for spending time with us because where you choose to spend your time is really important and we appreciate your choosing us. Please make sure you followed and share this podcast if the topics we discuss spark your interest and you appreciate us going off the beaten route. Do remember that we are ravers just like you. I have been dancing for 30 years now. We're independent and not sponsored by any DJ, record label, event, festival or corporate. We pay for all our tickets ourselves and records we buy and therefore we're not here just to be super positive about everything when we damn well know the problems or things could be better. We thought that set was rubbish. 
We have the guts to say loud and proud, even though it is unpopular, because we've been listening for 30 years to old genres of dance music, and we know not everything is always 100% sparkling amazing. What we say and discuss here comes from experience and our own genuine beliefs, and our sole interest is to bring ravers together and spark a debate on how to make the scene better and keep the rave alive. For that, we have to ask your help. We ask you to subscribe to the podcast, hint, it's free, and our YouTube channel, free again, but also share it with your friends and keep your feedback coming. This is your podcast, as much as ours, and for that we need to know what you want to be discussing. You can email us at freakbits2016 at gmail.com, tweet us on freakbits underscore cast, or DM us on our Instagram at freakbitsedmpodcast. And if you go to the Anchor.fm website, you can even leave us a voice message and a rant. That's easy. Until next time, remember, get your freak on.